and they've cut holes in the jungle and burned all the trees around where the isolated turkeys like to roost and planted like the most beautiful luscious clover plot that you've ever seen in the middle of the Mexican jungle. It's kind of crazy. This podcast is brought to you by Creekside Wildlife, specializing in food plotting and habitat management for deer and turkey hunting. If you're ready to get started on improving your property to hold more game, then it's time to contact Creekside Wildlife. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Creekside Wildlife. All right, we're back. Episode four. Here we go. We're still uh, stuck on turkeys. That's where it's but, all about. Yeah. Uh, everyone listening better get used to turkeys. <laughs> so at least for the next two months, we're going to be pretty much full tilt on turkey hunting. So I uh, saw that flock on the way here again. Were they over there? Over the mountain. Yeah. No kidding. There, there's got to be 50 in that flock. Nice. So, yeah. Those um, birds I saw yesterday, I'm telling you, <clears throat> they came across the road. And when they were trotting down through the field, their beard would go left and right. I could see it on either side of them, and I'm like, yeah. oh, boys, you're going to be in trouble. Remember the ones I sent you the picture of yeah. yesterday? Yeah. Well, you know where they were? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they showed up on my cell cams this what? morning. And I, the only reason I know is because the one has half of his beard, like, frozen off or something. Oh, yeah? So he's got, like, a full 10-inch beard lengthwise, but, like, only half of its, you know... 10 inches the other half's like four inches so you know i sent that to my dad he said that was my bird i I was gonna say he's getting fired up too right uh, oh yeah yeah (laughs) he was out listening yesterday morning nice um yeah i got the got the camera in the truck today i was hoping to get out and get some pictures here in the next you know couple days couple weeks or whatever so i'd like it to be a little bit nicer maybe maybe some of this snow melt but you know it's still still early so Yep, er. Yeah, I was I was cooking yesterday, and I looked out the window, and it's snowing. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, it, yeah. what is this stuff? So you know? much for spring forward. Yeah, that's huh? exactly it. I was like, eh. Wednesday looks like sunshine, but yeah. it's uh, 42 and sunny. But I think it, uh, Thursday's 54, isn't it? Yep, Thursday yeah. 54. Yeah, it can get warm and stay warm any time now. Um, yeah, for sure. Winters, I'm done with it. Yeah. Yeah. 25 days, and I'll be turkey hunting. Oh, you're counting. That just hit me today, and you're I counting. was like, oh, yeah, for sure. I've been counting since, <laughs> uh, I think Chase had a countdown at, like, 82 days or something like that. Nice. So, nice. Yeah, I looked at the uh, calendar today, and I was like, holy smokes, i got a lot to do. i still got stuff laying everywhere. i got to. Look around here. You stuff laying everywhere. I don't bro. even have a gun right now. It's still over there. somewhere in Kentucky, so <laughs> I might have to borrow yours. But it's hanging there, man. Take I it with d- you. I did hear, hear from the guy that it should be back from the. Saracote factory there on nice. uh, Friday, I believe. So Sweet. I'll be anxious to get shooting with that. But so now I've just been shooting with the camera, I guess. So speaking of, we have a our first guest today. All right. Um, we're gonna jump on here with uh, one of my good friends I met a couple years back, um, Tyler Breen. He is just a turkey filming, turkey killing machine. So um, let's just uh, jump right into it. Let's get him on the phone. Let's do it. All right. Can you hear us there, Tyler? Yes, sir. All right. What you been up to, buddy? Making turkey calls, <laughs> packing turkey call orders, editing footage from last year's turkey season, getting private labels for some of the other brands we make turkey calls for, getting that done. 
making a plan for this spring about where we're going to go and where we're not going to go. <laughs> so basically every everything you could think of in the turkey world. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Nice. What about you guys? What have you guys been doing? Oh, about the same. Yeah, we're uh, we're just looking for anything and everything we can do to to fill the next couple months or I guess a couple weeks here till we can start hunting. So, yeah, down in Pennsylvania, right? You guys are out of Pennsylvania. Yep, we're both in Pennsylvania here. We're uh, we're sitting in our uh, secondary studio, which is aka aka my house yeah so for, for the moment the kid for a moment the kids aren't here so we have peace for a little while so we're yeah. taking advantage of it yep yeah so that's it if you might might hear uh dogs barking or kids kids yelling but that's that's part of the game so same thing here we got three shot beagles and a pomeranian so <laughs> somebody pulls in the driveway or even goes down the road they go off the charts man sounds like a heck of a security team you guys got <laughs> well it started out as one fat lazy beagle and then it slowly evolved from there <laughs> nice and uh it was just three for a while now it's four but yeah all right well so i was i was telling micah you know me, me and you meant uh when was the first time we met? I guess back at the the Bearded Buck, Bearded one of those Buck. turkey events that we did. And uh, I don't know if I ever told this part of the story to you, but but I was just you know sitting there after a hunt one day, and and I knew this this kid was in filming for another uh, one of the crews, and he's just been on this computer like nonstop. And I'm like, I'm gonna go over and talk to him. Like he hasn't hasn't said anything to anybody, you know. And I, make sure he doesn't hate us for whatever. And, and he's just over there on the computer editing. And I sat down and, you know, started BSing with him. And he was editing this one picture. I, I can't even remember whether it was a duck or a turkey or what, but, but he spent like over a half an hour editing this one picture. And I was just like shocked at the time. I was like, man, this is awesome. And so I sort of wa watched a little bit and, um, Ever since then, I guess I've been fangirling over over Tyler's photography and stuff. So, um, but yeah, we just wanted to pick your brain a little bit. Um, you know, you guys get get a ton of turkeys on film every year, and uh, the last couple of years we've all been following your YouTube show and stuff, and uh, you're putting out some awesome stuff. So we just we just wanted to pick your brain a little bit and uh, see what you have to say about. Um, you know, people getting into turkey filming or just turkey hunting in general and, and uh, you know, just talk some turkey with you guys. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, that was, uh, I don't even know, I had to be probably eight years ago. Oh, yeah. And I had just, I think I had just left working for Zinc and Avian X at that point. And um, so I, I think I, yeah, that had to be right around like the, and it probably wasn't that long ago. It was probably more like five to six years ago because I left there in 2018. And, um, yeah, I was probably doing some heavy-duty Photoshop on something. I don't know if it was for a client or if it was for myself personally, but I've been filming turkey. I'm 29 now. I'm just about to turn 30 in April. But I've been filming turkey hunts for the last probably 10 years. And uh, the first one I ever filmed where somebody killed something 
turkey hunt wise was uh i kind of uh faked it until i made it so to speak i'd filmed a lot of waterfowl stuff but i got an opportunity to go and freelance for zinc when i was uh I think I was a junior in college that spring, right after classes got out, and I went with Josh Grossenbacher to Alabama to Terrence Williams, uh, Williamson's place there, and uh, I filmed him. We hunted for probably four or five days until he finally called this gobbler off off the roost, and um, he shot it. And so that was the first turkey I filmed. It took us about a week to get it done, and then after that, it just kind of started steadily rolling and i got the camera set up setups dialed in from jeff fafa shelby who was working there all the the lenses they were using and kind of the system that they had down for getting high quality audio and all that and i've kind of taken that system and adapted it to me and how i hunt and how my business partner hunts and kind of how we can get more done with less and so you're not toting a ton of stuff through the woods and kind of we've adapted our hunting in and along the filming part of it so that they both kind of run congruent with each other and um, that's resulted in what you see now on uh, YouTube or Facebook under the cartel custom calls pages which would be our series bangland that we put out every spring and to make that episode, those episodes, there's probably about anywhere from 10 to 20 of them that end up going out. We probably kill 60 to 70 on film in the process for each one of those seasons. And we just kind of hand select the best ones to put out there. And we use the rest of the content for reels, TikTok, um, Facebook, whatever, you know, just generalized marketing content to try to build all the pages which is a daunting task when you're a small business yeah absolutely um, but shooting everything you know that's really what we built the call business on was we'd been filming so many turkey hunts together and we'd been traveling so much filming that you know we needed a way to monetize that and building you know, building a YouTube just wasn't going to happen between the two of us. So you weren't going to monetize that. And so we needed another way to do it. And we decided that making calls because we've been doing that on the side too, was the way to kind of marry everything together. And so over the last four years, we've been slowly developing that into what you see today, which has gotten to become a pretty well greased wheel. And, uh, you know, it's a mainly direct consumer business. We are in a couple small retailers, mom and pop retail stores here and there, but it's mainly directly uh, direct to consumer. And we're, you know, using the marketing, the turkey film to, to sell the calls. So that's pretty important backstory on, on how and why I'm still filming turkey hunts. But, um, yeah, I can still remember back to that day. I don't even think we killed a turkey. I was there with Nick and Tom for the, they were filming The Life. Now it's become one is the name of their show. And you were editing and filming the Bearded Buck show. And um, yeah, I was just kind of got invited down there and went down to hang out because it was before our season opened. But I still got hunts from that season that are on a hard drive somewhere that me and Trent filmed together up in the Northeast here. But um, what did you want to, I got to look at your list here, but you wanted to, I know you wanted to talk about camera setups. 
All right. So. We got the list here, so we'll just we'll just fire off some stuff to you. You said that the you know you you had departed from AVNX and uh, those guys you know years ago. Um, but what back in the day, you know that uh, what was the spark? You know what what you know what drove you into the videography, the the wildlife, the, the photography, if you will. What was the what was the opening? What was the first thing? Like where where did it begin? Or I guess how did it? Uh, you know. I, I think where it all started was Trent was living uh, in this, his buddy's hunting cabin about 40 minutes south of where I live. And uh, I had met him. His son was just born. I met him through a mutual friend of ours. And he, um, we went turkey hunting that morning. And uh, I don't I think our buddy ended up killing Jake. Um and I was, I went down there because I had been kind of playing around with uh, my DSLR, like a Nikon D7000 or D5000 or something. I can't even remember. It was just a DSLR and I wanted to start trying to film stuff. And I had kind of gotten the spark from waterfowl from watching guys like Jeff Coates with D3 TV he used to have a DVD that he put out and kind of watching the Destination X and the Z calls. Uh, era DVDs that was really what kind of sparked me into doing that stuff but I I didn't really want to pursue it any further than just something to do for fun until I started hanging out with Trent more after that day and every time I'd run into some sort of situation in the woods he I you know we'd be sitting around we can only hunt till noon so we'd be sitting around at the house and he'd pull out he has like the world's largest hunting DVD and VHS collection that you could ever imagine he'd pull out the the VHS or the DVD pull out like HS cutting and strutting seven or something and rewind it and fast forward and find the hunt where Matt Murat or Rick White or something was calling this turkey in in the junkyard in Iowa and hung up and what they did to kill it and, you know, how it applied to my life. It was like going to an AA meeting. <laughs> I was having an intervention and I was like, man, you know, like I started watching it and he, you know, show me where those guys are now. And I'd be like, man, you know, like a lot of these guys started out filming and then they kind of like found their way through the industry and I was going to college. So, you know, I was, gonna I wanted to be a, a doctor was the end goal and I just kind of found that a lot more interesting I started running a camera and manual photographing ducks on the lake here the year that everything froze over and I started getting really good at that and driving around and finding wildlife to photograph that was really what I liked was photographing wildlife and that transitioned pretty quickly once I got good at that you know people recognized that and I was really good at using Facebook as a networking tool and that's where I would post a lot of the photos I took and I would ask guys I would go out you know in messenger which is like you know it's a I was young so I guess I didn't really have any barriers or walls or like these uh you know, I thought somebody was going to think something of me or they were going to feel this way about me because I reached out and I asked this person. There was no ego involved because I was just a kid, you know, so I'd like ask Jeff Coates like, hey, I would like send him a message. I'd be like, hey, man, um, can I drive down to Maryland and can you sh like show me how you're taking pictures of these canvas backs or where you're taking pictures of these canvas backs? And he'd be like, yeah, because, you know, I was young and he wanted to share that with me. And then and then I would go do it. 
which was the even bigger step is like going and actually doing that stuff and taking advantage of what the people around me that I looked up to had to offer me. I think that was the biggest step in what I was doing and how I got better. And then I'd ask them questions. Like I'd ask Jeff Coates, like how do you run your camera? And he was like, I can still remember he told me he ran an aperture priority and almost fell out of my truck with the doors closed because I was like, oh, you're not shooting the whole manual and like different, just different things, how different. I had a local guy here, his name's Colin Clement. He was very inspirational and a very big part of where I came from. And he was the first guy that was like telling me to shoot in raw and telling me to shoot manual. And like, he never pushed me. He just told me I should be doing that. And I always laughed at him and I was like, that's stupid. I'm shooting in auto and JPEG. And <laughs> I don't know how to do all that fancy yeah. stuff. I don't have a fancy camera that can do all that stuff. But as I got better, I was like, you know, he didn't steer me wrong. And I still took a lot of, interesting input from him on different shots and different ways I could be shooting. I'll never forget him telling me to like, he's like, I'm like, what could I shoot that nobody's shot before? And he's like, I never see anybody shooting any film through extension tubes. And I was like, what's that? He's like, yeah, like hook a 600 millimeter up to extension tubes. And I was like, he's like, just look it up. You'll see what I mean. And it's like, you can focus right up to the front of a telephoto lens. If you put extension tubes in between the sensor and the back of the lens and you can get really close to stuff so I started shooting really tight stuff of birds, intricate details of the feathers and their eyes and their bills and their feet and different, you know, stuff like that, trying to find different cool shots that nobody had ever shot before, which some of them I used, some of them I didn't, but it still taught me a lot about what my camera was capable of and what scenarios, you know, just an expanded ever learning mindset. But reaching out to those people, that was the biggest thing that got me into into it because the further you start going down the rabbit hole you know then it just starts having its own gravitational pull on you you start developing people that are behind you and support you and want you to see you succeed and they give you opportunities and that really takes you to the next level i think yeah for anybody out there that's trying to start out yeah absolutely um you know snowballing off of that you know we'll get into into what you're running you know, camera gear right now. Um, well, just tell us, you know, your basic setup for a, your typical turkey hunt. So my setup right now for, for a turkey hunt is uh, I have a Sony FX9 that I purchased, I think like a, not this past fall, the fall before. It's a great camera. It's not really what I wanted. I wanted an FX6 because a little smaller, but they're hard to get your hands on. So I have a nine. It's very similar to an FS7, except the color profiles are a little bit different. And it's sort of interesting how the camera works. It has a 6K sensor and it down samples to 4K. So it doesn't record in 6K. Like it'll say that it has a 6K sensor. It doesn't record in 6K. It records up to 4K, but it's sampling from a 6k sensor so it's basically taking the good pixels that if you know if you're familiar with how chroma subsampling works and how there's black and white pixels and color pixels so you're getting a pretty rich image because it's pulling the color pixels it's getting rid of grain and noise you can shoot at stupid high isos you can basically film in the dark with it yeah we have um upwards of about 12 to 13 listeners at this point so i'm willing to bet that most of them don't know what that is, but 
I'm not going to uh, go too into detail with it. Like you can look that up. I yeah, know, for sure. I usually I run an uh, 7200 with a with a two time teleconverter on it, and then I've got a a set of Sony wireless mics. Um, I have the dual receiver. They make one that you can. It's just one receiver, and you can bring in two channels of audio, which is kind of neat. Um, and I have one of them set up. So one of the, my input channels is uh, a lav mic that's on my Hunter, and the other one, I will have an XLR cable in my vest. And when I'm not running, because that camera has two XLR inputs, like most cameras, broadcast cameras or whatever, if you have one of those expanders for your Sony, uh, like A7 or whatever, uh, you have two XLR inputs. So I'll have my onboard camera mic, my shotgun, that'll be plugged in my camera when I'm walking around filming, you know, whatever, walk around stuff in the truck, stuff, scout and stuff, whatever. When I get into the hunt, I'll unplug that and I'll plug my second channel in. And I have, uh, it's sort of like those little transmitters that you see that you plug that like uh, the news people have when they're like down in a tornado or a, a hurricane or whatever, and they're standing out there and they're like talking to the camera that, that mic in their hand has a, a transmitter on it. And so they make one of those, you can plug into a shotgun mic and we'll put that out in the decoys. And so I'll have two lines coming off that that receiver. One of them is going to be the lab mic on the hunter, and one of them is going to be the shotgun mic and the decoys. Yeah, that's that's something that I've had a lot of people ask me. Um, you know, when whether I'd be showing them videos of yours or or whatnot, um, that really sticks out. That you know, you can hear them spitting and drumming, and it it just sounds like you're right on top of them and I've had people ask me how do they do that and I I knew you had did that and I mean that's that's the little things that you know yeah takes a you lot more effort but you know yeah you can see that you can see the the windscreen from it in a lot of the in some of the videos some of the other ones you can't the the, the turkeys usually they don't get too weird about the windscreen sometimes i'll put a log or some cover up with sticks or some leaves or whatever or i'll throw a leafy with some leafy wear over it and um that actually came from i started doing that because jacob Patton, who's another videographer photographer um from pennsylvania i asked him how he was getting those great sounds and he, and he told me the way he was doing it was he was running a he was running an actual cable from wherever he was sitting all the way out there. And that's how they did it back in the day. They would run it from their beta cam or whatever they had. They would actually run a hard line with a mic out into the decoys or out in front of them that would come back to the camera. And that became kind of cumbersome. When I went to work for Zinc, they kind of cut that learning curve off. I was like, no, we just got a transmitter. You plug it in and runs to it. Receiver, just like your lab mic does. So... I've taken that a step further now, and, and a lot of times I'll run a, a shotgun mic out there, and I'll run it actually to like an H4, a Zoom H4 handy recorder, and I'll collect it in WAV audio, or .WAV, which is the uncompressed version of uh, whatever audio, and that's just because I want that really intense drumming, and it doesn't always come through on a wireless radio connection or Bluetooth connection, however your your mics are, are, are communicating, the receiver bands, the transmitting bands, you're losing quality. 
some of you talking positions and stuff. That's why everything, you know, guitars and stuff still has a cable because the best way to transmit the signal is always through a cord. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll put the, the, you know, the actual recorder out there with the mic and then I'll just pull the SD card, dump it in my folders, like all my footage, label it. And you have the gunshot so you can go back and sync everything up pretty easy because that should be a big, you're going to be able to see it visually when you get into editing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that that's one thing that, you know, the average guy's probably not going to do, but that's, you know, the, the things that, you know, you take the extra time to do, and that that's one thing that really makes your videos stand out from some other ones I've seen. So definitely, definitely like that, but. And if you, if you like for anybody listening, that's just starting out, that's one way you can improve the quality of your videos instantly without actually improving your camera gear, because the audio is, if you put good audio along with like mediocre footage, you're going to, it's going to look better. Yeah, for sure. Instantly. Because you got good quality audio. Especially especially, Yep, especially with turkeys. I mean, you know, turkey's all about sound. There's so many different sounds in the turkey woods, you know, as opposed to, you know, in in the whitetail world or something, you know, it'd be kind of hard to throw a mic out there and hope that the buck grunted by it or whatever. But, but yeah, turkeys usually, you know, running decoys, it's pretty easy to get them, you know, in an area that you want and and that's uh definitely we're paying attention to the audio is is a huge huge plus that adds quality tyler if uh if a guy was gonna i guess dabble uh very quickly in hey i want to go out and you know, like you said i want to go out and get some photography done i want to do some video by himself um you know simple hunt simple gear like you said, audio is the most important. You know, by all means, you got to have the the great audio to go with it. It'll make, like you said, mediocre filming seem great. You know, what's the best advice you could give to, you know, someone just wants to go out there and get some the best that they can get? Uh, what's the what's the biggest advice you could give to somebody trying that out for the first time? Just be resourceful and don't be discouraged, and ask for help. Like, just ask people. Ask, if you want to buy a new camera, ask somebody that pay, that does good work what they use. They'll probably tell you, like, don't be afraid to ask. Uh, and and be resourceful. Like, I'm talking about, you know, a $3,500 mic setup, right? Now, you can accomplish the same thing with a $100 H1 handy recorder. You just put it out there. You click it. It's got built-in mics and stuff. Like you can do it with that. You can resource. You can be resourceful, and you can you can sample YouTube videos. You can sample like stock Smithsonian stuff from the government and attribute it in your YouTube video. You can sample that kind of stuff and put it in your video. And you don't. It does that costs you nothing other than a little bit of time and a Google search. Like you can find ways to circumvent having to buy stuff or how to actually having to collect it yourself and is it as cool like no you can't stand up there and beat your chest and be like oh yeah but you can you know and work with other creators look over their shoulders see what they're doing and learn their toolkit 
because the way you apply it is going to be different. They're never going to tell you like, Hey man, you can't come like Mike, you can't come watch me edit this photo on Photoshop. Right? Like no, nobody that does this, whether it's professional amateur, they're never going to tell you, no, you can't do that. They're going to say, Hey man, yeah, well, like come check this out. This is how I use layer masks, or this is something cool that I figured out how to do or if you're working on something and you know they're good at it ask them what they would do to be better at it or what how, what would they do to change the photo or the video or you know ask for feedback like those are the kind of things that make you better yeah for sure you know i mean that's one thing i i love about the hunting industry and you know the photography and video industry there's hundreds and hundreds of people and and i've reached out to a few of myself and and everybody's always you know there's no competition you know everybody's willing to you know tell you how they did this or how they did that and you know makes makes everybody better and you know makes you you know strive to get better i guess you should say too so so the moral of that is um case in point work smarter not harder that that's using your head man that's that's a hundred percent using your head Tyler, tell us um, if you had to pick, you know, you've been on hundreds and hundreds of turkey hunts, I would say, by now. And and uh, what what would one of your favorite hunts be? And it, it doesn't even have to be turkeys, but just give us a quick little play-by-play of what you'd say was your favorite hunt. So I'll, I think my favorite hunt of all time was uh, I filmed Rob Keck, who was the vice president of the National Hunt Turkey Federation when they were doing a lot of the trapping and relocating. I filmed him shooting an, uh, his entire winter world slam, so all six subspecies, but in the winter. And um, the, the two last birds he needed for that were both really cool. Um, the Goulds in Arizona and then the Oscillated in Mexico. And both those were really cool and special for a lot of different reasons but the mexican the mexican hunt was definitely um you know above and beyond all of it because we 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 killed a bird that you know you hear about oscillators in mexico and they were like shooting like trees with spotlights and stuff at night and all this craziness <laughs> sounds like but pennsylvania all over that's again. being resourceful <laughs> yeah, right, right there <laughs> yeah maybe i've yeah, heard of that before we working smarter not harder yeah. That's a but, um, that's a common whitetail tactic. Yeah, around I was going to say that's uh, you find big bucks, you just hope that doesn't happen to them, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we went we went down there and um, Manuel Enriquez, who runs El Halcon Outfitters, hosted us and um, Rob brought down some decoys, um, some deception decoys. They had some feather flex decoys painted like oscillators and a Montana strutter like a pop up. You know, they make Montana decoy makes those silhouettes that you can like fold up. And uh, we went down there and Manuel had begun this process of implementing, you know, North American conservation methods of like food plotting and stuff to the Mexican jungle down there, which kind of blew my mind. He had his little, you know, native Mexican guides that are like Mayan descendants. They were back in this jungle. I mean, it takes a whole day to get back to where you're going to hunt in the jungle on a little two track road and a little mini truck, like a little, uh, Mitsubishi or a Nissan or, you know, like a Toyota, um, you go back way back in the jungle and they've got a little stucco hut built that they've been living in in a hammock and they've cut holes in the jungle and burned all the trees around where the 
isolated turkeys like to roost and planted like the most beautiful luscious clover plot that you've ever seen in the middle of the Mexican jungle is kind of crazy but uh the you know you go it's like two complete days of travel before you even get to hunt and you get down there and you're like you've never seen a turkey hunt over a decoy for this thing before that you're going to hunt and so you're, you know, from my standpoint, I was like, is this even going to work? Like they had sounds preloaded on a megaphone because they don't really make oscillated turkey calls. They kind of make a little bit of a different sound. Their gobbles different. I don't even know what sound the hens make, but they had gobbles preloaded on a megaphone. Like if you press the wrong button, it would be like a siren. And, uh, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. And so like we're down there in the jungle, there's huge spiders, snakes hanging from trees, howling monkeys in the distance and stuff. And you're like, man, you know, like I, the last thing you can picture is a turkey. And then you, and then you see them and you're like, I, you know, it, it's blue. His head looks like a nerd's rope. It's completely different, the wrong color. Yeah. It looks like a peacock, kind of. Yeah, and you're like, but there is not a doubt in my mind. You, nobody can convince me other way, otherwise, in any way, shape, or form, that what's walking right there through this opening, that's turkey. Like, the way it walks, the way it's looking, the way it stops, just the pace of its walking, the tempo of its footsteps, like, it's a turkey. And they come in and do their thing and you know party around the decoys and one gets shot and it's got no beard and but it's got long spurs and you know like the whole thing comes together but just all that went into that filming that first hunt of that subspecies over a decoy uh that was just that was my favorite that was just super cool because it was just it was a it was your normal turkey hunt but the adventure that you had to go through to get there and and be where that bird exists and then see something that's just so recognizably turkey but not was just really cool to me yeah that's Um, awesome yeah i was hoping you would bring that up i had a note down here to to ask you about that actually but i remember remember seeing your posts on that and i was like man he's hunting turkeys early but yeah that that had to be an awesome experience it sounds like oh yeah i would encourage anybody to to go down there and do that once in their life. I mean, that was from the time I was a little kid, my grandfather, he was state chapter president of the national Turkey Federation in New York for a long time. And so like I'd grown up in that culture. I was a lifetime member from the day I was born, but I was like a little kid and he was towing me around to the national conventions and stuff and like doing banquets and all that. And so like, I had seen all that stuff as a kid, like in paintings and, the videos were just kind of coming around when I was little and, you know, you would read the magazines or see pictures of the stuff. And, you know, it was just like, as a little kid being exposed to that, you can't, you just can't, he, and my grandfather wasn't really even a turkey hunter. So it wasn't like he was going all these places and hunting and seeing all this stuff. And my dad was a turkey hunter, but never hunted outside the state of New York. So like there was this whole, you know, just vast unknown around me of and I didn't even really know anybody that traveled and hunted them so to me I was just like you know breaking out of that mold of just hunting five miles from the house and going out and seeing some of this stuff to me it was just like man you know like this is really cool like actually getting to see the myths and the legends and the folklore that you grew up around as a little kid 
actually getting to go there and see that and experience that to me was just like, that's where the passion comes from, the drive, like the inspiration to create is like, you know, having this conception in your head and like wondering all these things, the amount of wonder that's in your head and imagination. And you're like, you know, eight years old and you're like, man, I wonder if they sound different or they, you know, the vegetation's different, like all those things that you wonder about your whole life. And then you finally get to go there and see that that's what's truly inspirational. And that's what creates really good work. I think in my opinion, because you're filming all those things that you always wondered about. So that everything is interesting to you. There's lots of interesting shots and creative ways to capture those types of things. And from the other standpoint, if you, if you ever wanted to go do that, like, there's no time like the present. Like it's not that expensive. It's way cheaper than going to like Africa or something. It's a huge adventure. Like you can't even imagine the amount of adventure that's packed into that little 10 pound, you know, jungle dwelling turkey with no beard. Like it is small. It's a small animal, but the adventure is huge. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Tyler, we're uh, coming up on time here, but you know, I just want to thank you for taking the time to tell us a little bit about your career and, and everything. And, uh, certainly looking forward to what you guys are doing, you know, in the future here, we'll be following along on the webpage and the YouTube channel. And, uh, uh, why don't you just tell everybody where they can find all, all of you guys' work this year. Okay, guys. So if you want to check out our calls or our videos, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at cartel custom calls on Facebook under cartel custom calls or on YouTube at Cartel Custom Calls, and you can find all of our products on our Shopify online store, which would be cartel-custom-calls.myshopify.com. Everything is up there, and if you use code BANGLAND, all caps, just B-A-N-G-L-A-N-D, like gangland, but BANGLAND, you'll get 10% off. Awesome. So, yeah, awesome. guys. Well, yeah, like, like I said, appreciate you stopping by here, and... uh We'll be looking forward to seeing some turkeys now here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, guys. All right. Have fun. Don't get buried in snow. <laughs> no, <laughs> Not we yet. won't. Not yet. <laughs> Have a good one. Thanks. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah. All right. Well, I told you. That old boy has got. He's got a, some that he's experience got under his belt. <laughs> boy, you can just tell the person that it's like uh, you, you first talk to him and it's, you say, hey, can you describe this? And they almost want to say, well, how much do you want to know? Yeah. Because I oh, could be yeah. here for six years telling you everything. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Oh, and, yeah. And we, they, they just hit the cliff notes, you know? We don't have enough time no, day no, to, no, 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 to no. tell all the stories he's got. But like I said, you know, he's one of those guys that I've, you know, looked up to, even though he's two years younger than me. Um I look up to everybody because yeah, I'm so on. short. D- but, listen, time you out. know, <laughs> just uh, whoa. <laughs> but he, just, he's saying about turning thirty in here shortly. Yeah, <laughs> brother, I'm forty-one, man. Give yeah. me a break. But uh, yeah, I've been following Tyler's stuff for you know years now, and and he does amazing work with the camera. And you know, there's been many a times where I've texted him and said, "Hey, man, how'd you do that?" And you know, much like a lot of other photographers in the industry, they you know they're more than willing to you know call you or text you you know 20 minutes worth of how-to stuff so you know it, it's definitely it's a whole cool industry to, wide like like you said you know it's like the the guy that wants to know yeah 
what's the worst that can happen? They just don't respond. Yeah. Who exactly. cares? You know, and it's yep. like the archery world is the same way. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody sees, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and all these people, you know, shooting this and that. If you got a setup question, ask yep. them. Guess oh, what? Yeah. Guess what? How many conversations have I had to Tim Gillingham and Chance Bobauf and yep. Nathan Brooks and all those guys? And it's like, they're like, I can't believe you got that from them. And I'm like, yep. just ask. Yeah, they're all just people, That's too. what they do, you know? And, but <laughs> they, they do it 24-7. Yep. 365, they live it. Yeah. You know? And most of those people, that that's why they're in that, that's it. you know, career Tyler's, or profession because they love that's it. what they do and they, you know, love talking about it, so... Yeah, everybody definitely check out uh, Bangland. This is a series on the Cartel Custom Calls YouTube page. And, uh, you know, I've been showing showing people their footage for a while, and they're definitely one of the – He's got it figured you know, out. He is – Top shows definitely. that I, I prefer to watch. I mean, they, they got some epic footage. And, you know, being from a cameraman background, I, I love seeing that camera work. So definitely check them out and uh, – I think we're about out of time today, so sounds good to me. Catch you guys on the next one. Have a good one.